good morning. I'm so thankful that you're here today. You know, um, as I uh, think back about my walk with the Lord, my life with the Lord, I'm grateful that I had parents and Robin had parents that, that taught us this concept that God is no man's debtor. That there'll never be a time where in my life where God will uh, be indebted to me. And, uh, and, and I've watched God all through my life in my family. Growing up, my parents taught us the, um, the joy of giving. They modeled for us how to give. And my dad was a teacher uh, and a coach. And, uh, and that was before the big raise that they're getting in a couple weeks, months, or I guess. But uh, he grew, I grew up with a dad as a coach and a teacher. And the people that would do his, uh, his um, taxes and stuff would, would be amazed at how much that he would give, my, my parents would give. And, um, and they, they taught us this concept that, that, that God has given us everything we have. You know, we've been in the book of Philippians, and we're finishing it today, and it's, it's such an incredible book. And uh, I'm so grateful that we've been in it since, really, January. And we've been just kind of marching through this book. And, 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 and Paul wrote this book uh, of Philippians, and he wrote it to the church at Philippi. And if you look at the book, one of the things we've seen over and over again is that Paul is constantly rejoicing. He's constantly saying, I rejoice in what God has done. And what's amazing about that is the context of the passage. Paul is writing this as he's chained to a guard. He's been arrested unjustly. He's facing this very difficult time in his life. He's, the reality of his own death is right before him. But yet, he, he, he is actually in this place of life that a lot of people could look at him and go, man, God has abandoned you. You, he was in a really tough spot. But yet, he is always saying, I rejoice in the Lord, and, and he's praising the Lord. And how could somebody do that? How could somebody be in such a difficult spot, such a big trial, and yet rejoice over and over again? And the, and the reason for that is he'd grown up spiritually. He'd grown up in his faith. He had grown to understand that God is bigger than his circumstances, you know, you know, so often in our, when we're younger in our faith, uh, when our circumstances change, our doubts creep in. But as we grow up in our faith, we recognize that tough times produces faith in us. T tough times are those moments that we recognize, God, you are faithful. I can trust you. I can rely upon you. And this is why it's important for us as a church to grow up spiritually, to grow in our faith, to grow to understand that God is faithful all the time. God is faithful when we can see him. God is faithful when we can't see him. God is faithful in those moments that we understand how things are working out. God is faithful when we go through times that it's not working out in our minds. Now, Paul has has ends the book of Philippians, and, and, and as I was reading this, this final passage, a, a question kept coming to my mind that I, I think a lot of people ask, and, and I want us to ask it. In Philippians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, that's where we are today. Philippians chapter 4, 
and we're going to be in verse 14 through 23 through the end of the chapter, but Philippians 4.19 is, is a verse that maybe you've heard before, maybe you know, and, and it's, it's, it's important to look at this verse in light of the context of the passage. Philippians 4.19 says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I mean, and it's a... And, and what's interesting is I wrestled through that this week. God says, I, I will meet all your needs. And so if God says it, that settles it for us, you know, because when God speaks, it's true. But, but as I look around, I see a lot of Christians that it seems like their needs aren't being met. I mean, there are times that I've wondered, God, are my needs being met, are needs being met? I mean, yesterday in my tennis match, we started, I... I, I think there are several guys around me that I play against and play with that don't know the Lord. And I just said, hey, can we pray together? Because a lot of these guys were really sad that we were playing against because they just came from the funeral of the girl at Jinx who passed away last weekend, the cheerleader, palm girl at Jinx. And, and so I said, hey, can we pray for that family? And, and, you know, there are times in my life that it feels like, God, you're not meeting needs, but, um, but it seems like sometimes God is not coming through. But Philippians 4.19 says, God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Now, you know, two of the reasons that the book of Philippians was written is in some ways it's a, it's a, it's a, it, it's a receipt. It's, a, it's Paul sending a thank you letter to the church at Philippi for, for providing for him. That's one of the things he's doing. Paul is saying, thank you because you gave to meet my needs. Um, it, it's this, uh, um, th- this moment that Paul says, I, I just am grateful for how you've given to me. You know, um, here, here's the thing about God meeting all our needs. You know, so you may be here and you have some needs. And you're like, God, I don't know if you've come through. And, and, and you know, here's, here's the, the truth. God, God is always faithful to come through. Maybe, maybe it's like Elizabeth and, and Zachariah. God had promised them, hey, I'm going to give you a, a baby, but it's it, just not the right timing. Sometimes God's timing is, is not yet. But I want you to know God is always faithful. You see Abraham and Sarah, that's the same, that, that, that God promised them, look, I'm going to give you a, a baby, but they had to wait for it. You see these examples in Scripture. And, and, and what's interesting is you look at the Bible that, that, that God is giving us a promise in Philippians 4.19. He will meet all our needs. But can I... Can I challenge us to grow up a little bit? Do you know there's a condition to this promise being met? That, that God is giving, uh, I think when you understand this passage, you've got to understand the, quest, the, the condition. The, the better question for us today is, how can I put myself in a position to experience God's provision? You know, God is faithful to provide, but we have to meet the condition. And that's what Paul, I think, is saying. God, there are some conditions that God expects from us as his children before he applies the provision. 
So if you have your Bibles, let's look at this. Stand with me. We're going to read verses 14 through 23, and let's catch this important passage, important message today as we end this book. Paul says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourself know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received the full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now let's catch some of the details. Look back at verse 14 through 18. We see that God's people were, were sharing in Paul's trouble. God's people had given, and, and, they, they, and, and, and the church at Philippi had entered into a partnership with Paul, and they said, look, we are going to help you. We, we are going to help you with the gospel. And, and what's interesting here is no other church had helped Paul. No other group of believers had, had come to his aid. And, and, and what's interesting is, is as Paul, is, even, he thanks them for helping them in Thessalonica. And what's interesting about the church of Philippi helping in Thessalonica, they didn't have any direct benefit from that. I mean, you know, sometimes we want to help people if, if it's good for us or if, it, if, if, um, if we get some kind of benefit. The church of Philippi just helped Paul because they wanted him to be blessed. They wanted to provide for God's work. And, and Paul is thanking them for this. And, and what, in, in, in verse 18, he says he received more than a full payment for his needs and, and, and that their sacrifice was pleasing to God. Now, um, what Paul had been talking about in 14 through 18, he makes several references here to sacrificial giving and, and a giving to the Lord sacrificially. And then you see one of the most famous passages in Scripture. Look at Philippians 4.19, one of the most famous, famous passages. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, now let's catch this. This is very important. That, that Paul is saying something very important to us. And as a Christian, this is very important to understand. That God's provision is in response to our willingness to give. And, and when we give sacrificially and give to the Lord, God sees that and God blesses that. And, and, and here's, the, here's what the Bible teaches. And, and, and this, in, in America, it's funny because we get all uncomfortable when a preacher talks about 
money and giving. And the truth is, there are a lot of bad examples that we've seen. I mean, it was on the news this week. The preacher that was like saying, I need a $54 million jet airplane. I mean, come on. He doesn't. He doesn't need that. I mean, I'm flying to Israel tomorrow, and I'm in coach, and it's just fine. But so there are a lot of bad examples out there. But, but, but know this, as a believer, our checkbook reflects what we believe about God. And can I tell you, some of us have stopped growing spiritually. And it, you can trace it back to a, um, a misunderstanding of all your stuff, all of our stuff. Because, see, everything we have is from God. Everything. You know, I heard an amazing story about a, a lady in our church. And I've not asked permission, so I'm not going to use her name. But um, she talked about how she grew up. My, Paul told me about this last night. How she grew up learning to give. They, they had grapes. They, they farmed grapes. And the, her dad would look at the 12 rows of grapes that they would sell. And the ones, the, 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 the row that had the best grapes, he said, that's the Lord's. And they sold that one first and gave everything to the Lord. She goes, that's how I learned to give. And, and you know, the truth is, point number one is this, and we see it in this passage, is this, that it, it is impossible to outgive God. Do you know that? It is impossible to outgive him. And, and I pray that, that we are a church that matures in our faith, that we mature in our trust in the Lord, that we mature financially, that we learn to be givers, that we learn that, that everything we have is God's. And, and you know what Paul is saying in this passage as he, as he talks about and thanks the church of Philippi for their sacrificial giving, he's really referring to what Jesus said. Jesus said in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that funny? Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, will be measured back to you. The condition of the promise of God's provision is that we must first give. And, and, and you know Luke 6.38? That, that's exactly what I think Paul is referring to Jesus' teaching here. That, that we're to understand how to grow spiritually, how to give. Now, we've got to have an understanding of all of our things. Now, now first of all, and I mentioned this earlier, God is the giver of everything we have. You know that, right? Everything you have, God gave it to you. Every resource you have comes from the Lord. And in Philippians 4, this book ends. The, the way this book ends is, is with this, this beautiful picture of the blessing of giving and the impact of a church that is giving. Now, um, it's interesting as you look at, look at the call of giving, that giving is the call of every believer. You know that, right? It's every one of us. Like for our family, we're teaching our kids the value of giving. 
from their allowance or to their, their, their starting to get jobs. And, and we've, been, we've been challenging our children to, I'll give the Lord, we've been, we, we've been challenging them to, to see their, their stuff as, as, uh, as given by God. Everything they have is given by God. And it's a call for every believer to give. And, and here's, the, here's something that's very important. Giving is a discipline that becomes a joy. And, and, and this is what I want us to see. That, that when we give, we learn the discipline of giving. It becomes a joy in our lives. There is no, there, it is so much fun to give. And when you get the taste of, of the Lord using your giving, and, and, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's contagious. It, it's one of those things that I, um, I, I read in a book recently called Bounty that James Callison gave me. And he said, the author says in the book, I've never met a former tither. Because once you start tithing, you're like, oh, man, I can't stop this. Because it's a discipline that becomes a joy in your life. And now, um, let, let's think about that idea. Giving is a discipline. So, so it's a command for us. And, and without apology, God is teaching us and leading us and commanding us, look, you need to do this. You need to learn to be givers. And, and, and when you think about this church, they had done this. Now, Acts 16 tells us about the beginning of the church at Philippi, and, and, and it's such a cool story because Paul goes, on, goes into the, this region with, on a missionary trip, a mission trip. I mean, we've got all kinds of kids going on mission trips. My daughter is leaving, left this morning for Spain, and, you know, we have a group going to England, and there's so many kids going on mission trips. Paul went on a mission trip. And, and he goes to Thessalon, this, this, or excuse me, into, to Philippi, into this region, and he meets Lydia, who is a seller of purple. She's a businesswoman, and she's successful, and she comes to Christ. Then Paul leads a Philippian jailer to Christ, and, and, and he's a man of influence. He's, he's uh, this jailer, and, and he comes to Christ. And then there was this, uh, this slave girl who was prophesying, and, and she gets saved. And all these people were ticked, and they were giving uh, money to this girl. She gets saved. And, and so these, this church, they saw God move. And so they, they used what they had and who they were for the kingdom. And this whole church, um, they, 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 they were giving to Paul. And here's what's interesting, and I want you to see this. This church set the example for giving, and look at what we're doing. Here we are in 2018, and we're looking at the church at Philippi, this church that as they were giving to Paul, they didn't know that that for the rest of, of, of time that God's people would be looking at their example and following, uh, what they, following the example that they set? And can you imagine heaven right now for this group of people? The fact that they ran so faithfully, they ran their race so faithfully that generation after generation has followed their example? Folks, isn't that the kind of church we should be? I mean, I mean, shouldn't we be the kind of church that sets the example for those that follow us? 
Because if we do our job right here as a church, and we are faithful right here, then the generations that follow us, if Jesus tarries, there should be a vibrant work here for even after all of us are gone. And, and I believe that when we get to heaven, we will remember and we will know one another. And I think we'll get together and talk about the way God used us. And, and so I, I think this is important. The church of Philippi, they set the example. And I pray that's who we are that we set the example. I think that for, for generations, I think many people are going to be like, I'm so glad in 2017 or 2018, this church finished the mission on Garnett. I mean, that's a ministry that's going to continue for generations. Have you seen that building? It's so cool to drive by. You know, and, and now we're in two locations, in Tulsa and, and here. And, and you know what? I pray that for generations, people that come behind us go, man, let's follow that example. Let's keep that going. That's what's happened at Philippi. And, and, and this is what it looks like for us to be faithful stewards of everything we have. You know, there's things we need to do as a church. You know, one of my prayers, uh, we, we need to start an Hispanic work at Calvary. That's something we need to start. You know what? We need to start it next year. It's my prayer. I don't know if we can do it, but we should, we should start a service in Spanish. How cool would that be to see us reaching out to a, a, a whole other language? I mean, we need to staff Calvary, the work there. Do you know that it's almost doubled since we started at Calvary? Is that awesome? I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, let's clap. Man, and, and, and God is at work. And I'll tell you what, it's fun to start seeing the Lord move and, 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 and for, for us to say, God, here we, we give you this. We give you everything we have. And that's what Philippi is doing. Now, now point number two is this, and I, we see this here, that giving is our way of life, not a one-time action. And this is important because it's easy to say, oh, we're going to do this one thing and, okay, we did the mission. Okay, no, no. See, we, we, we are continuing this. We're, we, giving is not just a one-time action. It's a way of life. And that's what God is teaching the church at Philippi. That's what, that's what it looks like to grow up spiritually, that, that this, this idea that Jesus gives, give and it shall be given to you, um, it's this way of life that we move into. And now think about this. Um, we, when you really think about it, it makes sense because all of nature operates on the giving principle, doesn't it? And when you think about all of nature, Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord and all it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. I mean, think about the tree in my front yard. I got this great tree in my front yard. And, and, and it, 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 it revolves around the ultimate intention of giving. My tree does. Because it, it draws from the soil, water, sun, and then it gives out fruit. Well, it's not a fruit tree, but it gives out leaves and oxygen. And then they drop, and it feeds the soil. I mean, a tree is just the idea it, it gives. The sun was created to give light and energy. It ends up making life possible. And, and a seed is an example that, that it, it, it's trapped within its walls, and then it bursts forth, and it gives life. 
I mean, God has created nature with this idea of giving. And that's why we should be that way as, as a believer. We should be givers. And this is a way of life for us. And, and, and think about even God's method of dealing with us is generous giving, isn't it? I mean, we saw that in, in Alan's story, in my story, in, in your story. I mean, think about uh, that the, though Jesus owns everything, he, God owns everything, he gives to us. I mean, think of it. There's nothing I can give to God that he needs, right? He gives to me so generously that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would have life and have it to the full. I mean, isn't it amazing how God has has given us this method of generous giving? Now, he's established some laws. So let's learn some laws real quick today, just um, to think about these laws that God has given us, the law of return. This is the law of sowing and reaping. I mean, Galatians 6, 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. And, and, and we see that, that we reap as a, as a direct proportion of what we sow. And this is why I pray that we're a church that becomes a, a more generous church, a more, a more giving church, a more mature church, that we grow up in maturity. And this is who we've got to be. And this law of return is, is just basics of Scripture. The law of reaping is another one that, that, um, that the more you put in, the more you get out. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says this, the point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And see, this is why, um, you know, if, if you, um, we, we generally just teach through the Bible, teach through the text. And in and, and this I don't harp on giving. But, but let me tell you something. We're called to give. And, and, and you know, the truth is we, we need to mature in this. And, and this is the, this idea that, that, that God moves us and God is leading us to become cheerful givers, not reluctant givers. But God, I want to give to you. And, 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 the, and the more you grow spiritually, the more you begin to, to understand all all that we have is God's, the, the more cheerfully we do that. And I pray that we can understand this, the law of return, the law of reaping. We also see the, the law of service because it's not just our money, it's our lives, it's our time, it's our, it's our work. You know, we should strive together and labor together for the Lord. And, 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 and we see this because, and you've probably seen this in your own life, that haven't you noticed that when, when you start serving, you start feeling more joy. Have you noticed that? Like when, when um, uh, you know, we, we get a lasting purpose, we get a fulfilling purpose by serving. I mean, it's, it's interesting as Alan and I've talked and, and, and he was like, man, I, Jesus came, well, I got to start serving. I got to serve. I got to start, I got to start giving my time to the Lord. I got to, I got to grow in this because man, that's what happens. When Jesus 
moves us and grows us. And, 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 and I love verse 15, in John 13, 15 through 17, Jesus said, for, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a message, great messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And it's this idea that, God, when we start giving of our, of our resources, of our time, of our, of our prayers, of our efforts, man, you start experiencing blessing like you've never known before. And we see this. A practical example is in our marriages, right? Um, you know, I've learned that in my marriage that when I, when, I, when I look at Robin and say, I want you to meet my needs, our marriage struggles. But when I look at her and say, you know what, I want to do what I can to meet your needs, I'll tell you what, it's, it's our marriage flourishes. And, uh, you know, there, there's a great example of this. I saw it lived out in, in Cambodia because there's a, a sweet lady named Samadhi. And she was married to a pastor, and it was an arranged marriage. And she was like, she's like 20 years younger than her husband, and she didn't love him. Her parents said, you got to marry him. And, uh, and she goes to Liz. He's a pastor, and she goes to Liz Roark, and she said, I don't love him. I want to divorce him. And, she, and Liz says, look, I, I know your marriage didn't start like you wanted like you chose, but, but look, God brought you together. I want to challenge you to love him, to choose him. And she was like, okay, because God said it, I'll do it. And then a few months later, he has a stroke, and he's now disabled. You know what's interesting? When I was in Cambodia, somebody shares her testimony with me. She goes, I love Savin Ra more. I didn't love him before, but now I love him. And what's interesting is now she's caring for him selfishly, selflessly. She, uh, she, she, he had a stroke, and so selflessly she started caring for him. And guess what? She starts loving him. And that's, that's this law of giving, this law of return, this law of service. That, that the, the key to happiness is, is giving it away. And, uh, you know, Matthew 16, 25, Jesus said, if you want to, uh, for anyone who keeps his life for himself shall lose it. Anyone who loses his life for me shall find it again. And this is this idea that, that you can't outgive God, that, that God is, is, is giving is this way of life for us. It's not a one-time action. But again, you see, and I want, to notice, I want you to notice as we close, point three, do you know that God will never disappoint his faithful stewards? You know, when you're faithful to God, he will never disappoint you. Look at what Paul says, verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours. Now, now look at that first part. My God will supply your needs. That's an incredible verse. That's an incredible promise that, that, that you see that he's, he's personally involved with us. You see that, right? You know that, right? God sees everything. He is personally involved with you. My God will supply all your needs. Uh, God knows what's going on. He sees what we're doing. And I'm amazed at the, at, the, at the times in my own life that I go, through, I, I go through my life and I forget God sees everything. 
He sees everything I'm doing. He sees every motive. He sees where I am. And Paul writes, my God will meet all your needs um, according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And look, look at this. Uh, I, I love it how God assumes responsibility for his children. He promises to meet every need we have. Isn't that amazing? My God will meet how many of your needs? How many? How many? All our needs. I mean, think about this. My God who sees us will will supply all my needs. Now, this doesn't cover all my wants, okay? God, God doesn't meet our greeds. I don't know if the guy God is playing or not. I didn't look because I had a bad attitude about it. And I was mad about it. But, but the truth is, God doesn't meet our greeds. He meets our needs. And you know, sometimes we think we have needs and we, we don't. They're not a need. Come on. We got to understand this, that God, my God who sees us, he meets all of our needs. Uh, 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 and, and look, I want you to notice this. Uh, he promises to meet every need we have, but notice his resources. Do you know that his resources are plenty? Think about God's resources. I will meet all your needs according to what? His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He meets everything. And I want you to know, I've seen it. I'll never forget the first year of the ambassadors. Never forget it. We were, um, uh, we were, started this baseball ministry, and we were, we had no money whatsoever. And we were starting it from scratch. I was putting it uh, on my credit card. You know, we were paying for it. We had the money. I didn't put it on the credit card until we had the money. But, but I was, we were paying this as we went. And, and I remember our first mission trip, I said, um, things, we were $25,000 short on July 3rd, 2008. And I met with uh, Julianne Sullivan, and I said, okay, we're short. We're short $25,000. And I said, okay, if we don't have the money by Thursday, uh, or no, by Friday, it was a Wednesday. If we don't have the money by Friday, we're going to have to not go on this mission trip. I get on my knees in my office. I said, hey, God, I love you. It's been awesome. This has been amazing so far. You, we've watched you work in awesome ways. We, I thought we were supposed to go on this mission trip with this baseball team. But, Lord, I don't know if you noticed, we were $25,000 short. But we are. I had a meeting today, Lord, if you didn't see that. Just wanted to tell you about it. And... Uh, and the Bible says you own a thousand, you own cattle on a thousand hills. Could you sell one of those or somehow uh, help us? And I remember getting on, as I'm praying right then, God put a name on my mind. So I called Dr. Jordan at, at the Baptist building. And he committed $5,000 right there. And by noon, we were $16,000 short. And I'm praying again, Lord, hey, it's been awesome. Man, we're only $16,000 short right now. But, hey, Lord, we're still short, $16,000. And um, a name came to my mind. And I called and left a message. And at 5.30 that day, Pete Cantrell called me from Ada, Oklahoma. 
And he said, Chris, what do you need? I go, well, Pete, hey, could I come to Ada tomorrow and talk? Could you help me get about 10 guys together? Because we need $16,000 to finish this mission trip. I go, he goes, oh, Chris, you're way too busy for that. I got that. And I go, excuse me? Man, you're way too busy for that. Uh, you need it tomorrow? I got that. I, I was standing at church dinner. I, I was walking through the hallway. I'd walk by the church dinner on Wednesday night, and I'm, I start weeping. I watched God provide $25,000 in one day for us to follow the Lord. I've not only seen that in ministry, I've seen that in our family. Can, can I challenge us? Can, can we grow up into maturity as followers of Jesus? Maybe you're not a tither. Would you grow up? Is there room in your life to grow up, to recognize, God, everything I have is yours? And God's word is powerful, and it's true. Um, the reason that I've learned to trust him is because he saved me. He saved me. Do you know Jesus? Are you walking with him?